Albeit a little bit late, welcome to episode 3179 of the Survival Podcast. It's Monday. As we've come to do most Mondays, though we've had a couple off now, have it? We um, renew kind of a variety show, and then uh, Thursday I'll take some individual subject and, and we'll go into it deep. I don't know, maybe something on permaculture or homesteading this time, but something. But we'll be kind of doing some topical things that are going on in the news today, how they affect us, and I'm going to end with. So, Jack, what are you doing about all this stuff? And uh, so it would be a good one. Uh, some of you that are in the live stream may have already seen a quick little note for me about why we started uh, a little over 10 minutes late today. That is because there was a bobcat on the homestead, and not the kind you drive around and move dirt with, the kind that eat your animals. And I went outside. I usually take a walk, five, 10-minute walk before I start a show. To just kind of reset your brain after doing all the prep work and everything. So I just think podcasts go better that way. And the chickens were going nuts. And I saw this little thing cruise across the one side of the property. And I went, it's awful small to be a, uh, a coyote. And I also thought, it's about the size of Belle, our new German shepherd, our sable shepherd. and about her color, but she's in the house. I just left her. And so I went around to see what it was. And it was a bobcat. It would have been a... A dicey shot with a handgun, honestly. Um, and you don't want to miss one, like your opportunities. If you, if you need to take one out once they're shot at, that it gets a lot harder to get another shot at them. So I came in to get the rifle and by that time it had vanished and disappeared. But I know what I'm dealing with now. I've had a couple losses lately, including a goose. And I told my wife it has to be a coyote or a bobcat because for the, for a full size goose to disappear, and be no evidence whatsoever. So kill and drag away. Those are about the only two predators we have that are going to be able to do that. Even a big hawk with a left feathers everywhere and stuff like that. So a little bobcat hunting is coming. Anyway, uh, got a pretty good show for you guys today. I am going to talk about something that happened with PayPal threatening uh, to take away people's money because they spread disinformation or whatever PayPal said they didn't like and how they backpedaled instantly. Uh, but I want to talk about it a little bit deeper because a lot of the people that are proposing solutions to this problem don't understand the problem for certain people who have used PayPal for years, uh, long before they started all of this stuff and how there's no guarantee that anything else will necessarily not have the same problem and pushing everything to one place is probably also a bad idea. So this is a multifaceted one for everyone involved, which is anybody that buys or sells services. So all of us. Uh, next up, one of Russia's bridges in Crimea was blown up. I found it interesting that the very first thing people started saying is, Russia did it to themselves. Now, that kind of went away really fast when I guess even the people that say this nonsense um, realize how dumb it sounds. It's like the pipeline 2.0 all over again. But um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about the irony here and how some people are cheering this on and who those particular people are that are cheering this on at this point. Uh, another law enforcement department lack self-awareness. I'm going to show you or just tell you about it. I'm not going to rely much on visuals because I know when I do that, I tend to rely too much on them, and then it suffers on the audio side where most people actually listen. But there's links to all this stuff in the show notes that are in a link in the video notes below. Uh, that'll go up about one hour after this goes. But uh, 
A sheriff's department arrested a man for fixing a roof in Florida after Hurricane Ian because he's not a licensed contractor in the state of Florida. And this is a felony. As bad as that all is, taking a picture of yourself and bragging about it. I, I, I think law enforcement organizations across the board have just lost their minds. And they're like all shocked when everybody's like, you're not the good guys, right? And, uh, of course, they say they're protecting Floridians from having their roofs fixed. Um, so, uh, uh, yay, Kanye West, he calls himself yay now, right? If you have to keep saying formerly known as, then you really probably should have changed your name. But Kanye is an interesting guy, and he asked a question on Twitter. Who, cre- who do you think created cancel culture? I'll tell you who I think did, and then what was done with it. But I'll tell you why I think it happened in the first place. Why it happened? This is one of those things that, like, it actually means a lot more than you think it does because it's about it's outside of cancel culture. It's about what we're actually dealing with in the world today. Uh, and the euro and British pound have either fallen near, in the case of the pound, or below dollar parity. I want to talk about what that really means because nobody's talking about what that really means. They're like, "Oh, this is bad." Oh, but how? A lot of people say it's bad. They don't even know. It. They're right, but they don't even know how. Um. And, you know, Biden said we're not in a recession not too long ago. Uh, but there's an article out today saying that Americans are suffering from recession fatigue. And it's even being angled to kind of give a plausible out. I'll tell you about that when I have a link to the article as well. And I'm going to tell you what I want to, what I'm going to do to continue to deal with all of these eventualities. I'm even going to tell you today why World War III as a kinetic war is like the last thing I'm worried about. It'll make some of you feel better and maybe some of you not so much. Before we do all that, let me remind you real quick, I will never ask you for any personal information in the comments below. For a while, we have stopped having fake accounts show up in my YouTube account and things like that. Uh, but this weekend, there was like hundreds of comments that I had to go through and manually remove because YouTube doesn't give a shit about you. Okay? Just to be blunt. They don't care about you. This is not a hard thing to fix, and they won't fix it because they just don't care if you get ripped off. So you have to care about yourself. Don't let yourself be ripped off. I will never ask you for anything. No text me at this number. No WeChat. None of that shit. I don't do that. It doesn't work. If you want to talk to me, email me, and we'll see about it. Maybe we'll talk to each other. If you don't have my phone number, then you're probably not getting And I'm certainly not going to post a phone number of any sort online for you guys to talk to me directly. Anyway, um, I want to talk to you about our sponsor today, John Bush at Live Free Academy has a really awesome thing coming up. I mean, really awesome. He's got a webinar that he's going to be doing that is on the great financial reset and what you can do about it. It's actually called the Great Financial Reset Response Webinar. It is going to take place on October the 20th. That is a Thursday at 11 a.m. It's a two-hour webinar, and there will be more to follow from it, but you get that two hours for free. All you have to do is sign up. I have a link in the video notes below where you can learn more about it. But I asked John if he would maybe just put out a quick message about this just for you guys to listen to the podcast. So this is available nowhere else. It's about a minute long. I'm just going to let you hear from John himself on what this is all going to be about. What's up, friends? John Bush here, inviting you to take part in the free webinar I'm hosting later this month, the Great Financial Reset Response Webinar been studying this whole New World Order thing for 20 years now. And to be honest, I never thought that the agenda would accelerate at the rate that it has after COVID just totally blew me away. Well, for 20 years now, I've developed uh, the keen ability 
to analyze what's taking place, to see where things are going, but most importantly, to take proactive steps in order to insulate myself from the craziness and more importantly, to come out stronger on the other side. So I'm going to break down where things are going, CBDCs, digital ID, inflation, a reset of the economy, what that looks like, and how you can shift your investments into real things like land, solar systems, and counter economies. Check it out at livefree.academy slash reset webinar. That's livefree.academy slash reset webinar. So on that, guys, I do actually have an affiliate uh, relationship with John. So instead of using the link he gave you, please use the link in the video notes or the show notes uh, to get on over there and register for that. Even though it is completely free, uh, it kind of gives me credit for the fact that I put people in the seminar form because I have a, a unique sponsorship relationship with John uh, where I'm doing everything as an affiliate for him. And it's working out for both of us. So I appreciate that. Anyway, and that way he knows you found him here, right? Um So let's start off with one of the unique things. And real quick, I should say, if you have any talking points or questions for me, please do what you see here from two clicks right. If you're in the live stream, all caps, and I will star you for the future. I didn't even read that one. I'm just using it as an example. If I see all caps, I hit the little star. Uh, not everything ends up being for that, but it's a lot more likely that I'll speak to your point or your question if you use all caps in uh, the video feed. So anyway, um, For those that didn't see this, over the weekend, I think Friday it actually got released, PayPal had an update to their AUD or AUP, Acceptable acceptable Use Policy. And in that, it said that PayPal, by its own discretion, which means whatever we say, can say that something that you're doing while using PayPal as a, a merchant account to receive funds could be considered hate speech, disinformation, um, or anything that they say is bad, that they say could harm them, not only might they shut your account down, but they could fine you by taking it from your account up to $2,500 yeah, per offense. So if you were really dumb and you had like $20,000 in PayPal, they could say, well, you know, here's four offenses, that's ten grand. Or here's eight offenses. We're taking all your money. Now, an interesting thing that happened about this. This is this is actually the more interesting part to me. Um, almost immediately, they came out and said, whoa, 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 we're not doing that. And I've got a link to where this is being discussed on Twitter in the show notes for you if you want to check those out again after the live stream ends. But you can you can Google it. You'll find all kinds of articles about this, both saying it's happening and both saying that PayPal's not doing it. So PayPal, and this is interesting to me, they came out, like none of the official PayPal Twitter accounts, like PayPal News or Support or anything like that, came out and said, hey, 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 this is all a mistake. It's all being backfed through mouthpieces like media members and things like that. Officially, you know, somebody at PayPal told me, but nobody's citing exactly who. Like, it's gone. It's not in the in the, the policy anymore. It just kind of showed up there and, you know, Damn, if somebody didn't notice it when it showed up, and they took it away, and they said this is never supposed to be put in there. All right, wait, wait a minute. This is a publicly traded company. It's a big company. This is a multi-billion dollar enterprise. Let me explain something to you about this. I used to do 
web marketing, web consulting, and things like that, where companies would come to us and they'd say, we want to do more effective web marketing. And we'd say, okay, well, the first things we need to do are make changes on your website. And a lot of times, these were changes that the user really wouldn't even notice. Okay? They wouldn't even notice them. These were things like back-end tags and stuff like that. Sometimes there were some textual changes and stuff like that. But, again, a lot of times it was just like changing something like title and description tags for a page. And it was like getting a NASA space window for companies of any size to make changes on their site. They're like, well, why do you want to change the website? Because you came to us and said you wanted your website to sell more stuff for you. And they really didn't even know what the hell they were they were talking about, right? Like, they didn't even know what it meant. They just thought you would make more money for them. And, and like, it took a lot of work to get the time and the space allocated for a company that, let's say, um, Sage Telecom, who I eventually ended up going to work for as, as director of Internet Marketing, but they were a client first, like, to change pages so that we could specifically say what states we did business in in a way that would make you, if you look for Illinois, Illinois local phone service, more likely to show up on Google. Like, that took work. So you're talking about a major legalistic change, in terms and conditions, updated on the website of a public company. So what's my point? My point is, it wasn't like one person could just push out this update. This had to be, like, gone over, agreed upon, multiple approvals, and somebody said, okay, here's the window to do the update in. Anybody here in the live feed that works for a large company that's involved in your web marketing, let me know if I'm wrong about this. Like, is there one person, let's say the company you work for does at least, you know, uh, 50 million in sales. That's pretty small, actually, in comparison to the territory. 50 million in sales, and you are able to have one person just update the website without anybody approving it or making allowances for it, without running it by legal or something. Like, it just doesn't happen. Okay, so my question to PayPal on Twitter was, okay, so who's been reprimanded for this? Like, and don't you think your shareholders, because you're a public company, deserve a a better uh, explanation than oops? Oops, we didn't mean it. Oops, wait, this affected your share price. Aren't there like a bunch of senior citizens and stuff with like 401ks and IRAs and stuff? that are holding your stock in their mutual funds, don't your shareholders deserve an explanation? If this was truly an error, this is a big-ass error. Shouldn't, shouldn't something internally be done about it? So what it seems like, and I don't speak for PayPal, I don't claim to, it seems like they thought this was a good idea. They thought they could just put it out and not talk about it, and they thought in a world where everybody reads everything now, nobody would notice. And then they would just have this like a big sledgehammer, and then, like, Literally thousands of people, thousands of people canceled their PayPal accounts instantly when this happened. Because a lot of people, it's not a big loss to them to can't, like if you're not, and I'll get to this in a second, but if you're not doing business with PayPal on like the end I'm on, and in a specific way, it's actually really easy to just like, I don't need you anymore. Some of us, that's not the case. But their, their stock price, like in the futures market, already started to, to take a tank. I'm telling you, this is not a little mistake. So I, I think they're very disingenuous with, oops, right? I think this was like, let's see, and uh, this is probably a bad idea. There's a lot of time for this, right? 
going woke and getting broke applies to a lot more than just small companies uh, that can be easily attacked by the cancel culture mob that we'll talk about in a bit. But here's what I want you to understand. When people are like, well, just do all your business in Bitcoin. Okay, so 10% of my business is in Bitcoin. 10%. That's 90% of my market that's not going to use it. Let's say if I only did it and I pulled another 10% and that's 80% of my market. It's going to do business in U.S. dollars, not Bitcoin. So that's not a solution. I do use two merchant account providers. One is PayPal and one is a company called Stripe. Not Strike, Jack Mahler's company, but Stripe. It's just a... You take Visa, MasterCard, Amex, all that stuff, and you can take debit or credit. Like that, I use two. Because I believe if you lose one, you should have another one. Two is one and one is none. And for six years, if you go to sign up or renew MSB, the first option you're offered is Stripe because of some other problems with PayPal. And in that alone, it is still that half my new business, half my new or self-renewed business when renewal fails still goes into PayPal because people are comfortable with it. They want it. So even though I just push everybody to Stripe, there goes half of my business. But that probably would rectify because as long as you have a credit or a debit card, and almost everybody does, if you want the service, you would keep it and move over to Stripe. Here, here's the other problem, though. I have this very large number of people that have been members for 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years consecutively and never left because I have a really good product, and they're on PayPal. How many of those would I lose if I just canceled PayPal? So my big concern has always been with PayPal and any of these merchant account providers, watch them shut other people down. It's not that they would find, if they find me $2,500, which on their best day, on the last minute before I do a withdrawal would be lucky, right? But it's one, it's a one-time problem. I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm going to be really mad about it. I'm going to tell you guys about it. But it's a, it's a singular problem. Having yourself canceled altogether and having yourself shut down and having this stranded user base, that's why a lot of us just don't abandon a lot of flights. Look at YouTube. You think I got, you, you guys that are here right now on YouTube, how many times have I begged you guys? Hey, let's use a different platform. You know where you guys all show up? YouTube. So as long as you're here, I'm here. I left Facebook because I got absolutely tired of their shit. Most of y'all are still over there. It's cost me to do it. And I was willing to take the punch in the gut on the money. Leaving Facebook has cost me money. Probably in the neighborhood, I would estimate somewhere between four and $600 a month, I make less because I'm not promoting content on Facebook. There's a point where principal overrides money, and that's where they got to for me. But you guys have to understand, we are not to the point yet where you can just say, well, I'm going to do business outside the system. Now, a company that let's say sells widgets and gadgets and stuff off their website, all their business is new business, right? Even customers reordering, it's new. It's not a subscription model. It's actually much easier to just add different payment methods and move people over, right? However, however, when you're on a subscription model, you're at risk. And that's why I push payments to multiple platforms. Because the other thing people would say is, you know what? Um, well, Jack, why don't you just take PayPal off as a payment method for new business and then push everybody to Stripe? So what if Stripe gets woke? Like, in the end, you're talking about dealing with the banking systems, merchants, accounts, and stuff like that. All of them have turned off different people at different times. So I, even though PayPal has now shown its colors, which we all knew, I still feel better spread between two. 
even if one of them is PayPal. This is not as easy as people think. We're not there yet. Now, I am looking to see more, more and more people um, come up with more and more alternatives. I'm looking really for, like, Strike. Now, now, Strike. Strike, Jack Mahler's company, is going to be rolling out merchant account solutions soon, and I will definitely add them. But here's the other side of it. So you can only have so many in this model, and if you're not doing enough business with a company, they'll basically say you're not worth being our customer. So as you start to spread thinner and thinner, you run into that problem. But I wanted you guys to know this, and I would say a couple things. One, it would be better if you had a choice that you didn't use PayPal when buying anything from anybody because they've they've shown this more than anybody else. But two, if the person only has PayPal, there's no reason for you not to do business with the person. You're only hurting the person on the other end of the transaction you're trying to do business with. Because I've had some really angry people Some of the stuff Paul Wheaton sells, you have to use PayPal to pay for it. Like, write me, like, first of all, I don't sell it, Paul does. And write me, like, hate mail about it. Like, all you're doing is hurting Paul, right? I mean, that's the truth. Um, anyway, but if you have an alternative, I would use it. I would use it. Uh, next up, I found this interesting, and it wasn't really the media this time. It was the, uh, the people with the Ukraine flags in their profiles and stuff on social media. So a major bridge in Crimea, which is now part of Russia, whether anybody wants to accept that or not, and has been for a long time, and was voted on by the people of Crimea for that to happen a long time ago. Um, a major bridge there with, like, civilians using it and stuff was blown up, and now it looks like it was by a truck bomb, and Putin is, Putin is calling it a uh, an act of terrorism, which it, it may very well be, or may I don't know. Right. He says that Ukraine special operations were involved with it uh, and others were involved with it. And, you know, like swift justice. Same shit our guys say when something like this happens. Like, we will find them. We will make them pay, blah, 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 blah. It all is what it is. But what the immediate reaction was from these people who are now cheering for World War III, that's the only thing I can see that they're doing. Okay? Only thing I can see that they're doing. He did it himself. Putin blew up his own bridge. The same crap they said about the pipeline. Why would Putin blow up his pipeline? The other end of it's in Russia. You want gas to come through it. Russia has to put gas on the line. In this case, it's even dumber because this is a bridge in Crimea. The only people hurt by this bridge being blown were Crimean Russians and Russia itself. Like, this is not, it's a false flag. And people are saying that now. They don't even, they've never used that word before. Everybody that ever used that word was a conspiracy theorist. But now it's a false flag because somebody found it somewhere in the Urban Dictionary or something. It's absolute insanity. But I, I, what I actually wanted to point out here, because these are people we're dealing with in our daily lives. These are the people that are going to lose their minds in the coming economic depression that we may be entering, minimum severe recession. Everything's worse from here for a long time, guys. And these are the the, the people that we're going to have to deal with in their mental and physical and psychological response to what's coming. The, the level of cognitive dissonance and mental gymnastics here is insane because these are the same people that spent two and a half years terrified of a virus 
with something like a 99.7% survival rate when you run the real numbers. Even if it was 98.5, which is like worst case scenario that they can come up. Anywhere in between there, 98.5, 99.7, anywhere in there. And a survival rate for people that were not like already at the edge of death of way higher than the first one, right? Terrified of it. Some of these people are still wearing masks everywhere they go. If you got four four shots, that's not enough. They want you to get your bivariolet whatever new booster, right? And they need that. And, oh, my God, can't send the kids back to school. This should all be shut down like those people. That's the number one demographic right now with their little Ukraine flags. Couldn't find Ukraine on a map without it labeled and somebody helping them. Little, I stand with Ukraine. They're literally cheering for World War III. At this point, if you're pushing this, you're saying, I welcome World War III. Or at least I welcome a kinetic nuclear war. Terrified of a strong cold virus, welcome World War III. And it's because these people don't think anymore. And it makes them very dangerous as a mob. So just as you're dealing with people, realize these are the people that you're dealing with today, okay? These are the people that you're dealing with today. And Eka Mouse is saying, you guys, you got a bunch of people here watching, and you only got a few likes. You need to give me some likes. Don't upset Eka Mouse. She, her wrath is terrible. So smash that like, guys. Help us uh, reach more people. Help us reach more people. Yeah, but, you know, Russia's own bridge blows up inside Russian territory. Russia did it themselves. And... It's not actually surprising because I watched for eight years while nobody paid attention to the civil war that was going on between East and West Ukraine. Nobody paid everything. This just happened. No, this is an eight year civil war that's blown up to involve another country. That's what's actually going on. Um, that's what always was said. Like a, a, a school would get bombed the shit in, 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 uh, in or I can't even say the other one. Don't toss, right? And they'd say, oh, the Ukraine, the, uh, the, the Russians did it to themselves. It's the same pattern. They keep just repeating the same pattern and they do it because it works because people believe it. And, uh, man, it, it, it's amazing where people's heads are on that. So again, I have links to all of this stuff in the video notes or there's a link in the video, but in the show notes for the audio today, it'll go out soon. Um, and if you're listening to the audio, it's already there. A law enforcement department in Florida reposted a post by Sheriff's Department in Florida. And they were arresting a man. They had a picture of this man in handcuffs and being put into the car. What was his crime? He was putting a roof back on somebody's house that the person agreed to have him do without a license in the state of Florida to do roofing work. He was not a Florida licensed contractor. And they claimed they were protecting protecting Floridians from danger. You might put the tile on backwards or the, 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 the shingle on backwards or something. There's two things about this that make me think everybody involved with it deserves like an old-style box cheese grater inserted into their anus. Right, you figure out how to get it out now. That is your punishment. Good luck. Right? One, that they had the audacity to brag about it. This is up there with when the uh 
The, the NYPD bragged about taking a super soaker off the street. It's that bad. They think they're the good guys. You, are we the baddies? Some of you know where that's from, right? Gee, are we the baddies? Um, and they seem actually shocked that it didn't go well for them on Twitter, that the people on Twitter weren't like, gee, guys, thanks a lot, right? Like they were basically slaughtered by public opinion. The lack of self-awareness is massive. And that, that has to start making you question this whole back the blue shit. And I know not all departments would do stuff like this, but the fact that any would, you, you better start being specific about who you're supporting if you're going to support anybody here, right? Not just like, oh, because you wear the magic costume, you earn my support. That doesn't work. Like, I get shit from other ANCAPs because I won't just say all cops are bastards, because I won't, because I always judge the man Not not the costume the man wears. I think that's a good piece of advice. Well, should this cop have shot somebody? Well, would I have shot them? If I would have shot them, then probably so. If I wouldn't have, then probably not. Okay? You know, like any jury would judge any man for using legal force the same way. Like, always judge the individual's actions. And But, th again, this whole thing about I'm only following orders, that's one thing. To brag about it. They wrote an article about it. They wrote an article about it, they put the article out, and then they tweeted the article, and then another law enforcement organization retweeted it and said, thank you for protecting and serving. So that's one problem. Here's my bigger problem. It is a felony. A felony. An effing felony. Now, I don't know how familiar all of you guys are with the justice system. But a misdemeanor can be a problem in your life. A felony is forever life-altering. And I heard people trying to defend it at least somewhat, saying, but Jack, people get scammed. Nothing prevents somebody with a piece of paper from the state of Florida from scamming you. Nothing prevents that person from doing a shitty job. Nothing. You know what's going on here. This is mafiosa guilty. This is artificially keeping prices up during a time when help is needed more than ever. This is not just because you're doing a specific type of work either. Literally, you're up on somebody's roof doing work for any pay to help that person. They will throw you in jail with a felony charge, a felony charge. And then they will brag about doing it and saying they were protecting people. And they're also promoting the fact that there are federally approved state licensed contractors that I can't remember how they described it, but it was like a waterproof blue roof skin or something. They made up some bullshit word for it that you can get for free, paid for by the federal government if you just apply and wait while rain pours into your house after your roof's been, you know, but they'll get to you sooner or later. A couple of people said they had it done during a previous storm and they used like a gazillion nails and just made made everything worse when they did it. And one person pointed out, yeah, you know, I'm from New Hampshire. When you know what we call those blue roof coverings? Tarps. This is about creating a cash cow at a time when people are hurting under the auspice of protectionism from the state. That's why I hate the state. Because this is what always happens. If there is a way to manipulate a system to the advantage of a group, Through the power of the state, it will be done eventually, always. Any power you give to the state, it will use to make another power and become larger. And this is 
yo, the free state of Florida. This is where Ron DeSantis is. I even called him. I said, hey, dude, you okay with this? Really? Locking this man up with a felony and destroying his life because he had the, the audacity to try to fix somebody's roof and they both agreed to it voluntarily? No response. What a surprise. What a surprise. And this is the important thing about this. The two things that are important about this. One is that law enforcement increasingly lacks self-awareness. This is where, when you know, years and years ago, people would compare cops to, like, the Nazis in World War II or something, you know. And I'd say, come on now. This is actually more the case now. And it's not the specific action. It's actually doing something loathsome. Patting yourself on the back for it publicly and not understanding why people don't agree with it. Like, what? We were helping. All we did was ruin a man's life for putting shingles on a roof. Don't you understand that you need us? This is when we get into a very dangerous state, when the enforcers are committing actions that they know are reprehensible, but they actually think they're doing them for good, and they expect to be lauded for doing it. That's one part. And the other part is there's no solutions in the state. There's no solutions that come from the state. This is doing nothing to help anybody. No one will benefit from this. And it couldn't exist without the state. It couldn't exist without the state. Let's go on to what uh, Kanye West, Ye, the artist formerly known as Conway, now known as Ye. All right, so Ye put out a really simple tweet, and he said, who do you think created cancel culture? And I said, it's no secret. A generation did. And this is not millennial bashing, but it is the millennial generation that created cancel culture. And they had help, and we're going to get to the help here in a minute. But it is absolutely the millennial generation that is most active in the concept of cancel culture. So we're talking mid-20s, late-30s. That's that's the, the number one force behind this. And that doesn't mean that there's not some 57-year-old Karens that are part of cancel culture. doesn't mean that at all. It just means that in general, the force behind it are millennials. And it's an important thing to look at, not because of cancel culture itself, but because of the why. And I've talked about this recently, and we need to dig deeper into the psychology behind it. It is because of the concept of extended adolescence. This is why. Cancel culture has become a very effective tool because of who adopted it and channeled it. We'll get to that later. But in of itself, it is a group of adult children throwing tantrums because they heard or saw something they didn't like on social media. That's the whole thing. That's the whole force necessary once these other two parties adopt it and channel it. Adult children throwing temper tantrums on Twitter and Facebook. That's what cancel culture is. Why? Why? Why are they predisposed to it? Because of extended adolescence. I don't think most people realize this. Adolescence is a new concept in human history. It didn't used to exist. We didn't really have a word. We had boy, man, girl, woman. Did I just misgender somebody? Tough shit. Okay? But that's what we had. I'll even give you Zim, whatever the hell, I don't know, whatever your twisted pronouns are. We had children, and then we had adults. 
And we kind of had an area where the overlap was, well, you're not quite there yet. But somebody would say they're an adolescent. They would say that boy is turning into a man. And the goal as a parent and as a society was there is a point at which you have to stop being a little bitch and grow up. And when you hit that point, you should cross that bridge as quickly as possible. You should be a kid and act like a kid for the time that you get to be a kid. We used to be better about letting kids enjoy their childhood. Now we have adult children experiencing the childhood they never had in their 20s and 30s because we took away their childhood, so they've recreated their childhood as young adults. And we came up with a, a term for it that originally was well-meaning. It was something that scientists are always trying to classify everything, right? Always trying to classify everything, right? So, well, what is a 15-year-old? Is a 15-year-old a little boy? Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Let's look at a 15-year-old, especially one that's kind of filled out, a little bit taller, a little bit more advanced in physical quality, compared to an 8-year-old. Are they the same? No. Is the 15-year-old a man? Well, he can't have a beard. He can't buy a gun. He can't vote. So I guess legally, no. Well, what do we call him? See, it used to didn't matter. And we've lost our rituals, too, by the way. Where I grew up, the day you killed your friend, and I don't care if you like this or not as being a, a valid ritual, the day a young man killed his first deer, gutted it himself, drug it out, brought it home, and, and put meat in his family's freezer and did it all on his own, it wasn't necessarily that he was called a man. Every single male around him talked to him, spoke to him, and treated him differently. They started treating him like an adult. If he was 13, it didn't matter. If he was 15, it didn't matter. It was like, you have done a thing. You have done a thing. And if you look historically, because all of these woke Easters, right, they all claim to value indigenous cultures. Show me an indigenous culture without a rite of passage from boy to man and girl to woman. Show me one. You won't. It'll be it'll be harder than finding me an indigenous culture that's vegan. It's that it's that unfindable. All of them had these rituals, and then regionally you had like sub rituals. Like I'm sure that that wasn't the case for a, a, a kid growing up in New York City in the 70s and 80s, like like I was in in, in rural PA. But there was something there was something that men always kind of looked to and said, hey, when this when this kid does this, we'll recognize. That he's moved, like, get your first job, right, and pay a bill for your parents. Something. We've, we've just destroyed it. We've destroyed it. And at the same time, we eroded what it meant to be a child. A kid today has no freedom even close to what we enjoyed in Gen X or what baby boomers enjoyed. Where anything that was in reach of our bicycle was in reach of us. And we could just disappear and be gone all day. And as long as the cops didn't bring you home, you weren't in trouble. The cops didn't bring you home or nobody made a phone call and ratted you out in the parent and grandparent network, right? As long as that didn't happen, you were good. You learned how to get away with stuff. You learned how to not get hurt when there was nobody. Like, you got to be a kid. So we took their childhood, and then we created a concept called adolescence. And then we kept letting the age of adolescence get older and older and older. We started treating kids in college like they were still in grade school. Mom and dad are paying all their bills, right? They're still on mom and dad's health insurance plan, mom and dad's phone plan, everything else. Mom and dad's credit card. What do you expect? 
you get a bunch of children that are 20 to 30-something years old. So what do children do when they hear something they don't like? They throw tantrums. Okay, now have, now you guys that are like switched on parents, especially like you guys that are older, you already went through this. What do you do when your kid throws a tantrum? Assuming they're not going to like cut themselves by throwing themselves through a window or something. They're just throwing a tantrum. It's hard to do sometimes. What is the best course of action? You do nothing. Kid throws himself on the floor and starts beating his hands and feet or yelling or screaming or whatever. As long as he's not hurting anybody and not seriously hurting himself, you're going to hold your breath, go pass out and start breathing again, right? But you just, you do nothing. You walk, yeah, Agoras' attorney says you walk away. You walk away. And what happens to a natural progression in the development of a child when tantrums do not get a response? They stop having tantrums because it doesn't work. I'm not going to talk on this today, but I am going to bring this in a future event. Spare the rod, spoil the child. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't. If you think it means spanking a kid, and I don't know that Eka Mouse does, but if you think spare the rod means you have to spank your kids, you don't understand the, the translation of the, the proverb. Anyway, but yeah, you just there's there's times where you just let them process through this, okay, and then it doesn't work. What happens if your child? throws tantrums, and they get attention for the tantrums, and sometimes the tantrum results in getting what they want. What do you get now? You get more freaking of the tantrums, more of the behavior. When you give a behavior attention, you get more of it. So that's why a lot of things are left us that are like they're, they're trolling. I'm always like, ignore it. But you, you guys, not, not maybe you individually, But in my audience, and there's tons of you, you can't ignore it. You give it attention, you get more of it, and then you're shocked. Right? So any good parent knows tantrum, absent hurting somebody else or hurting the person having the tantrum in some real way, let it go. Let it play itself out. Let it die. And then the child will grow up and learn other ways to make their case for what they want. So what happens when you have a whole bunch of extended adolescent adult children 20s and 30s, and whenever they throw a tantrum, the people that run the social media companies ban the person they threw the tantrum about. CNN, MSNBC, etc., all the prostitutes go out and say how horrible that person is. They shut down their business, do whatever, they attack them, and their tantrum gets them what they wanted. Well, you get more tantrums. And this is exactly... This is exactly what the media and the government, who are the two parties that have given them what they want, and when I say media, I mean MSNBC and I mean Mark Zuckerberg. I mean both sides of the media, okay? When they, they created this dynamic so that this control mechanism could be used. So the cancel culture mob that is a bunch of spoiled-ass children and a few older people that should know better, would be largely ineffectual without the weight of the state and the oligarchy behind them. Because the reality is most of these adult children, when they throw a snap fit about a Kanye West saying something they don't like, like, hey, I think Trump's all right, lose their minds, right? If they just lost their minds and they have their whole mob lose their minds, even if there's millions of them, the net effect would be a net zero. 
Nothing would happen. The people that like these people, that want their information, that want to engage with them, don't care that you've lost your mind. Without the ability to, to influence at large the public opinion through conventional media and control the speech through alternative social media, the tantrum is, is pointless. But we have empowered a generation of cry bullies by giving them force of the state and force of the media. And again, why is this important? When you hear my solutions today, you'll understand part of it is why we need to raise strong, capable, young adults. That When we started saying, I'm raising children, we started to lose as a society. I've said this, we don't, I don't, you know, I'm a grandparent that co-parents with my son and daughter-in-law, our grandparents, my, my wife is as well, and, and day-to-day involved a lot more because I work and she's now pretty much retired. But we do not seek to raise a boy and a girl. We are not raising a boy and a girl. We are raising a young man and a young woman. They are children now, but the goal is to raise an adult. And I have that conversation frequently when we have issues that, you know, you need to work on this. And the reason is so I can take away more and more restrictions every year so you can do it for yourself. And if you don't do that, no matter how much you think of your children, they will get wrapped up in this because the next generation, all this hopium, right, about the next generation will be the most conservative in history. Horseshit, because they're being raised by the same statists that raised this generation. In fact, they're being raised by the generation that was raised this way. Most of your teachers now are millennials or young Xers that were that came right through this. They're reinforced. That's why you have drag drag queen story time. That's why you have it. Because these people have had their minds literally warped. And they're not functioning adults. If you can't look at a thing you don't like and say, I don't like the thing. And the thing's not really hurting anybody. Like if the thing is children being abducted, then we need to take some action, right? But somebody's opinion is not hurting you unless you allow it. And if you can't hear an opinion you differ with and either say, okay, I've heard that opinion. Here's why I disagree with it. Or I've heard, I don't want to hear from that person anymore and simply not listen to it. If you can't do that, you are not a functioning freaking adult. You're not. You're an adult child. And this is what's surrounding you. You're being surrounded by people terrified of a virus that they personally have like a a billion percent chance of survival because it really kills sick and old people mostly, right? So we know that. They're terrified of that, but they'll cheer on World War III and they'll throw a tantrum because a newscaster used a phrase they didn't like that they decided was racist, even if the newscaster didn't mean it that way, and destroy a person's life over it. That happened to a dude calling a tennis match years ago. He used the term gorilla as in gorilla warfare, but he was talking about one of the Williams sisters, and the mob decided that was racist. And it was a term used in tennis forever, but because the mob got active, they ruined this man's life. Temper tantrums are the mark of children, not adults, and these are temper tantrums. Let's move on. Let's have some better news. (laughs) The dollar's doing good. Yeah. It's doing good. You think I'm kidding? Everything does good relative to other things, right? So the dollar's doing good versus, like, let's say, the Turkish lira. That's not necessarily great. Um, The dollar's doing good 
if you want to use that phrase, and I don't necessarily want to. I'm just trying to get your attention. Against the euro. I don't know where it is right now, but this morning, a dollar, a, a, it was, a euro was only worth $0.97. So a euro is worth 97 U.S. dollars. A great British pound was worth about a dollar and 10 cents. Traditionally, the pound and the euro have been mostly in a range of about 1.5 to 1. So they would buy about a third more per unit. Um, with, if you're looking at arbitraging currency. So if I went to England and converted my money into pounds, I would have about a 30% hit in the cost of goods where an average Briton wouldn't really notice it directly because it's their relative currency strength within their own economy that they care about. Conversely, if a British person came to New York City, which there's a lot of vacationers, a New Yorker, uh, they go to New York because they think that's America. It makes me sad because they go there and they think that's what America is. But they, it was a very popular British destination. And I met people from England all the time in, in New York City when I used to work there. And they would say, it's so cheap here. It's one of the most expensive places in America. It felt cheap to them because when they came in and converted their, their money, they basically got a third more units and then relative currency strength took over. And so you might think this is no real big deal that you're close to dollar parity from the euro and the pound. By the way, the Canadian dollar has drastically fallen as well. I got, again, links for all this. You can look at it over time and see this drastic fall. But here's what nobody's saying when you talk about this and how it affects these economies, which, by the way, we're in a global economy, whether you like it or not. Think about how, how painful it is right now for an American family that was getting by okay two years ago, just barely. They really didn't save any money at the end of the month, but they could pay all the bills. They ate decently. They could cover the electric bill. Some months it was a little bit hard. And maybe even they were, they were able to put a hundred bucks a month in their 401k or something. Like they were that close to the wire, but, and I'm not talking about people just pissing money away. Like people who were actively managing their household budget well, they weren't going deep in the credit card debt, they were living within their means, and they were able to do it, but they just got it done. You know who that is? The average American with a job. Most people live that way, paycheck to paycheck, and deeper and deeper in debt, but maybe not so. But they able to, you know, walk the balance. Those people are getting crushed. Those people are getting crushed. These are people now that are going to the butcher and they're buying like a quarter pound of ground beef at a time. Well, some can't afford to do that now. That were, you know, eating pork chops and chicken and steak as main meals a year or two ago. Because the cost of everything's gone up. So inflation, you know, year to year is about 8%. The real number is like 20 and it hurts in America. <laughs> Add about a 30% to that. That's what you're dealing with in, in Britain and in Europe and, and to a degree Canada. Does that seem like it might hurt a little bit? And why? The number one reason this is happening in those economies right now is because they're committing suicide in the form of energy. And it was 100% their own choice, and it's not just Russia, Russia, Russia. That certainly does not help, but these idiots... Um, Denmark just turned off a completely functional nuclear reactor 
that's providing 10% of their power on the precipice of a winter where people literally will freeze to death with no plan to replace it in the name of green. Their most, you know, nuclear power, I don't care if you like it or not, when it comes to emissions, it has none. No CO2. None. Shut it off. 10% of your nation's power, you shut it off. And this is an utter catastrophe, which is why you could see weakening of the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar, but nowhere near as bad, as stupid as Canadians are to allow Justin Trudeau to run their country, at least they're not shutting off their ability to acquire energy. Yet. Of course, that Keystone Pipeline might really be beneficial right about now. Might it not? Yeah. Um, this is, this is actually earth shattering. This is devastating. This is taking some of the biggest economies in the world and making it to where it may soon be the case that they would better off not be better off not using their own money. And a lot of the people that hold a lot of wealth in euros and pounds may begin fleeing to the dollar because when you're holding money in fiat, you don't try for perfection. You've already stated, I don't want perfection. That's why I have fiat. So you, you look for the least bad, kind of like voting. Right. We all know that politician A and politician B are both scum. The people that vote are basically saying, I think A is less scum from my worldview. So when you're deciding to hold dollars, euros, yen, renminbi, ruples, whatever, you're looking for the one that you think will do the best over the time you have to hold it. Even if it's bad, it's less bad. So what have I been saying is going to happen? Global dollarization through stable coins pulled in under FDIC. See, I don't actually think the United States is on track anytime soon for a CBDC. Not because we wouldn't do it, because I don't think it'll work out the best for the people behind it. If you dollarize through stable coins, basically you have private CBDCs. This is not an advocation for something. This is, again, a forecast like I always do. If you have a national CBDC, okay, the problem you have with that is it actually flies in the face of the entire rigged game that the Federal Reserve has created. If you have centralized control of the currency in a fractional reserve system, all of the banks in that system are sidelined from their, their, their role in it. And your board of directors at the Fed, they kind of lose some power and things like that. The Fed having a single CBDC makes auditing by outside sources like that. If you're a centralized economy already, this is no big deal. If you are a decent, and, and, and you got to understand this when I use this word, our dollar creation system is somewhat decentralized. Now, it's not decentralized like Bitcoin. That's not what I mean. And I'm not saying it's good. What I'm saying is a local bank can issue a loan and, in effect, print money. They don't have to be a member of the Fed. And this is all part of the scam that devalues your money. And it does, it's not about straight inflation, as in there's more dollars. I've always tried to explain this. And people have a real time hard time understanding it. Inflation is a combination of effects, but a great deal of it is the velocity of money. And that is the rate at which the number of dollars increase And the speed, it's both sides, and the speed at which they move through the economy. You can print a shitload of money, 
If it all goes into a box and doesn't get spent, it has no net effect. But if it gets loose in a fractional reserve economy and it's used to collateralize loans in a 10% reserve system and people are able to borrow and spend freely, then it has a much bigger effect. And so they want this control, and it actually would work better for them if J.P. Morgan, instead of issuing loans in the conventional sense for fractional reserve, was able to actually issue stable coins. And as long as they can guarantee that those stable coins can be, you know, uh, remitted and converted back into fiat space currency, well, that's fine. And what you do then is you spread the dollar across the world and you mitigate, I didn't say make, go away, you mitigate the inflationary trap that they're in right now for a time. Never underestimate the desire these people have to maintain power through can kicking. They never solve any problems, but if they can kick a can and, and buy 10 years, 15 years with it, they'll kick that can. And they, they do it the same way people do with their health. Ah, I'll figure it out later. Well, you're going to have to have this surgery, and if you keep living the way you are after it, you're probably going to have a heart attack and die because we can't just keep doing bypasses. Yeah, yeah but I'll do this surgery, and then we'll see. And then they're sucking down pizzas like three weeks after their surgery. You think it doesn't happen? I remember when my wife had surgery for a neural condition, and we were at a very, very wonderful hospital. Like if you could get into Zalipsky in, in Dallas, that's the hospital you want to be in. You're talking top-notch TV-level doctor care, right? Like, I mean, it's like being in a hotel that's also a hospital with the best doctors you will find in the state of Texas. It's that good. But it's right across the street from a place called Parklet. It's a public hospital. And they have a McDonald's in there. And they have a cardiac ward right next to the McDonald's. And I watched people that were clearly recovering from cardiac surgery get a McGriddle and go outside and smoke a cigarette at the same time. And that's kind of how these people are. They're like those people that we'll just, like, this problem's not really our problem. We just need to stay in power for another decade, and we'll figure it out then. And so that's what I think they're going to do, and I think you're starting to see that maybe all of this destruction of the value of the euro and the pound and all these other global currencies is part of the cabal's main plan. Our biggest weakness in America is we seem to think that we're the resistance. Maybe we're the baddies. I don't know, man. What do you think? Are we the baddies? If you think we're the baddies, put we're the baddies in the uh, live chat for me down there. Let's move on. Um, so I read this other article. I'm not going to bring it up on the screen or anything. You can read it for yourself if you want to. But it basically says Americans are beginning to suffer from recession fatigue. I find this interesting because just this summer, um, our POTUS told us it's not a recession. And his mouthpiece has said it's not a recession. And NBC, ABC, CBS, et cetera, all said it's not a recession. That just because we had two quarters of economic decline doesn't necessarily make it a recession, even though that's exactly how a recession is defined. But the angle of this is interesting. It's basically, you know, it's not that bad right now. in recession fatigue. No, we keep having this cyclical recessional thing that's not really a recession. That's how this article reads. And so we all know it's going to get bad again this winter, right? It's, it'll be transitory, but it's going to get bad. So we need to be ready for it, right? We need to be ready for it, you know, because we're going to have a, a 57th wave and not everybody got their, their 57th shot or whatever. Like, like, So it's going to be bad, and then we've got these other things going on, and we all admit it, 
And so we're heading for another downturn. And what they mean by recession fatigue is that we know it's coming, but we're not willing to do what's necessary to be ready for it. I don't think the average person has ever been willing to do what's necessary to be prepared for downturns of any kind. Or there wouldn't be a need for a show called The Survival Podcast. I wouldn't have anything to do if people were just in general prepared. What they're setting up now, this is this is the FNORD that's, that's being created as we speak. So FNORDs are pieces of, of, of disinformation in plain sight. Usually they'll be in a formula they have an article like some bullshit claim, comma, experts say. That's a classic Fenord uh, title because all I need is two people that I call experts to say experts say this thing is true. Even if in the article I admit that it's not, I know that that, that headline is what shapes human perception. So what they're setting up right now is a blame game. Well, when the recession really happens, it's not the government's fault. It's not Biden's fault. It's not the Federal Reserve's fault. You, you weren't prepared. We told you it was coming. You weren't prepared. Do you, don't you not hear the narrative right now with, with things coming out about the, the shot? And, 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 but you got the apologist saying what? Nobody was ever forced. You made your own decision. It's your fault. Because this is a pattern. This is a pattern. What did, what did Bush say after 9-11? Be with your family and stay strong? No. Go shopping. Look it up if you doubt me, if you're too young to remember. Within a week of 9-11, we were told the need that we had was for us to go back shopping and start buying a bunch of shit. Who remembers it? Put in I remember, like Pepperidge Farm in the, in the live chat. I remember, or I remember, right? I remember. Remember that? Bush tells you to go shopping. You know why you do that? Because if you don't, or you didn't shop enough, you can blame... Well, the consumers, I mean, we gave you, Bush doled out some money too, man. They called them tax rece- uh, re- uh, retroactive tax um, refunds. I took mine. Didn't, I didn't complain about it, but the whole point was, did we want you to spend this money? I remember, a lot of people say they remember, right? A lot of people saying we are the baddies too. Yeah, they're setting up a blame game. It's your fault. It's your fault because you had recession fatigue. It's not recession fatigue. It's recession suck. And this country, at best, will be deep in a recession by winter. And when I say winter, I'm talking January, February. Deep. We already are. Like I said, we've already gone over the event horizon of the black hole that is this cycle. The real estate crash is coming hard. Hard. And the cost of housing won't go down when it happens. The price of housing will go down. But the cost won't because we've already had this inflection point of of interest rates. I guess the one thing you could say for the Fed if they try to fix it is now at least they can start cutting rates again. Interbank lending rates, which will drive down mortgage rates, and they have something in their toolkit. Maybe. Don't think it'll work. It's going to get worse. If you're tired now, I don't know, take a breather while you can. 
And that's going to move into what I am going to continue to do to deal with all this. Number one, I am going to stay diversified in my investments, and that does include continuing to stack SaaS, which is buy and hold Bitcoin. Because it is the only economic certainty in our future. And you can keep saying they're going to make it illegal, it's going to go broke, it's going to go to zero. And people like me, they've been in this game now for almost 10 years. Yawn. We don't care what you have to say anymore. We've heard all of this. We heard the same shit you think is a new idea 10 years ago. We've been to 99bitcoins.com and we've read the 500 plus Bitcoin obituaries. But it's not, I, I, I really think some of you guys don't believe me, especially people that are new to the show. I, I'm like, I'm not a Bitcoin guy. I'm a Bitcoin guy. I'm a real estate guy. I'm a cash guy. I'm a bonds and equities guy. I'm a tools guy. I'm a skill sets guy. I'm a garden guy. I'm an aquatic systems guy. I'm a gold guy. I'm a silver guy. That's diversification. You know, there's certain people that I think when they use certain words, they should immediately have like a cattle prod touch their anus and be set off. Democrats who use the term medical freedom right now, cattle prod in the asshole. Straight. Straight. But when, when a financial liar says you have a diversified portfolio, and that means you have small cap, mid cap, large cap, growth and income, all denominated in dollars, cattle prod right in the butthole. Not on the butt. Right on the hole, full tilt more cattle prod zap. Because it's that big of a lie. It's having you to shut your face, slit, stop talking, or get cattle prodded in the butthole. Yeah, you don't have a diversified portfolio. What I just gave you is an example of a diversified portfolio. That's diversification. And uh, Homestead Glamour Girl says you're a home chef guy. You bet I am. And I mean, like, learn to cook. There's a lot of there's a lot of reason for that beyond just saving money. It's a valid skill, and valid skills are marketable skills. And the worse shit gets the more valuable a marketable skill becomes and the more narrow what is marketable becomes at the same time. If you can easily automate your job, then your job is going to go away in the next 10 years. Well, they have, you know, I got a thing today. The robot makes burgers and fries. Could even do it with the impossible burger meat that's going broke, by the way. Not what I'm talking about. What those, those things can't do is look at 20 ingredients and go, I know what to do with this on the fly. And make it awesome. So that's for your family, and that's as a marketable skill. So um, next, I am going to start paying off even harder, even what I've always considered good debt. So um, about the only debt that I really have at this point is the house. And it's actually difficult for me to, to execute on this because my interest rate is under 3%, and I still feel like I can do more with my money than 3%, even with 8 to 20% inflation, that I can do better than that. So what we're doing is instead of paying down the debt, we're continuing to take on projects that were pay-go projects that increase the value of the property and the house itself, like remodeling work and stuff like that. That's kind of our confidence. But otherwise, like, I've even been okay with having debt on cars and stuff like that. We have no debt on our cars. We sold the Subaru back to the Subaru, so we don't have it anymore. The Toyota is a lease, but we paid the whole lease in one check. And my my challenger's paid for it. 
I got nothing. I got no credit card debt. I got nothing. No debt. Debt is cancer. And we're at a time in history where it might be more than any other time in history. Now, there's there's ways to leverage debt. And what you want to be in is when the opportunity comes in the most strong financial position, which will probably mean you don't have any when the opportunity comes. The opportunity is going to come on the other side of this. We are optimizing our food production. I talk about that so much, it shouldn't surprise you guys. But I'm looking more and more to how do I optimize my food production from a standpoint of how do I make sure I'm feeding my animals more off of my own property? Because my animals are my biggest food producer for me. So we're optimizing that, um, including more and more automation built into it, because then things happen. Especially like the year we just had, oh, so awful. And not having automation in some areas, I had, I should have had it installed by now. Just made it worse. But this has been, and it doesn't look like next year is going to be any better. It looks like we're going to have another La Nina year. It's going to be a very dry year for the Southwest. Very, very dry, very, very hot. You know, and, and that cycle will probably end the next year. But that doesn't help me in the year that's coming. I don't expect 2023 to be much better than 2022 from a climate standpoint where I live. Next, I am continuing to work on improving my health. Part of why I saw that Bobcat I opened up the show with about today is because I'm taking walks constantly now on a property. Just whenever there's some free time, just because that's good for you. It's good for you here in your head and good for you physically in your body. I'm trying to stay tight on the keto carnivore thing because I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time to live the last 10 years of my life barely hanging on. And miserable, like several members of my family have. And many members of my family that I can look at now, I can say they're going to. So I continue to focus on my personal health, and you should too. I'm focusing on making more money, including in dollar form, but from more diverse income streams. This is the time to build. While everybody's losing their minds, And chasing gimmicks and, 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 and gab, you know, just bullshit. This is the time when real builders become wealthy. I mean, you, you can hate the guy if you want to, but do you know when Elon Musk really made his fortune? In the middle of the housing crisis. In 2008, Tesla and SpaceX were both on the verge of bankruptcy at the same time. You're building a car company, which is notoriously difficult to do. And most people that have ever tried to build car companies in America have failed. And you're trying to build the first ever space exploration rocket ship company in the middle of, at the time, what people thought was like one of the greatest disasters in human history. Comes out the other end of it, the world's richest man. That's not a statement, Elon, good, right? It's just, it is. There's no way around that, that that happened. And if you, I keep trying to challenge you guys, go back and watch things like the food that built America, the cars that built America. So how much of the things that they, that are just taken for granted as being, you know, brand iconic were built in the middle of the Great Depression, the middle of World War II, when times were tough? It, it, I mean, really. You either need to be building right now or understanding that it's, it's what I tell you all the time about the hyphen, the dash, make the most of your dash, and life not being a sliding scale. Life is always pushing you backwards. 
The only way you move further in wealth, the only way you move forward in sustainability and independence and all of the things that you say you care about, if you listen to me, is to be proactively building it. You have to be pro. It's like having a headwind, right? And you're in a boat. You better run the motor or the wind will push your boat backwards. Well, the stronger the headwind, the more effort you have to put into that motor. Do you understand this? And right now, you're talking about significant headwinds. So I'm building more motors for the boat. So we're seeking to increase income, but not least I want to sell more memberships, right? No, like what can we do to create more diverse income streams that are all based on real value? You should be thinking this way. I don't care if you're just a person that's an employee. You should still be thinking this way. I keep saying it, but stay the hell out of Flashpoint Cities, man. Michael Bolden from the 10th Amendment Center, and you guys know him. He's finally leaving L.A. He's going to Irvine, safest city in California. I think he's reading somebody's statistics there. It's probably a lot safer than, you know, San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco. He's finally leaving L.A. Posted pictures on the way out. Tent city everywhere. Was on my show five years ago. He said, you probably think I'm crazy for living here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. I just got a you were right from him on Twitter. He says he's going to Irvine. So you're just buying 10 years. Cancer always spreads. You know the places will have problems now. So for me, it's not a new thing. But it's advice that I'm restating. Get out of the flashpoint cities. Get out of them, get out of them, get out of them. And if you don't, you're going to wish you did, and the trap is closing. The ability to exit is getting more difficult across time as the cost comes down, or I'm sorry, the value of property comes down, but the cost doesn't. You have less access to the money because most people aren't going to buy a house out of pocket. Get out while you can. Get out while you can. Uh, the chorus attorney says Irvine will buy you time, but will not save you. Sorry. I agree. It's what I told him. I don't even know a lot about it. Uh, next, raise children into strong, adaptable adults. I won't say much about this because I covered it already today. But I, this is the number one thing that you can do for yourself because you're going to be an old person someday. And no one in the general, you know, the general population is really going to care about you. We should be taking care of our children because it's the right thing to do. It's also because someday they're going to be the ones to have to help take care of us. Even if it's just advocacy for us. So I'm making damn sure that I'm always challenging those kids in the most positive way possible. Because I know that the world they're going to go into is going to actually be harder than the world that I went into. One of the reasons I'm so hard on millennials is think about how hard you had it. How hard you had it. Man, when Gen X, when we were coming of age, late 80s, early 90s, you take 10 opportunities that you have today, more than five of them didn't even exist yet. Like listening to you guys cry, when you can do anything from DoorDash to Uber, right, to Rover, to setting up a website instantaneously, Plugging in payment methods instantaneously. Making money by showing your ass on Instagram. Like, there are so many ways to be successful, at least a little bit today. So many options didn't even exist. What I do for a living podcasting. I couldn't have been a podcaster when I was 22 years old. Do you know why? 
No podcast yet. No pods. No iPod to put it on. People are still walking around with like the shitty flip phones. The really shitty ones. The really, really crappy ones. In fact, you go back that far, if someone is still walking around with bag phones, right? The big bricks. There's so much opportunity that you guys have had. And those opportunities aren't necessarily going, but the ability to do something with them is becoming more and more crowded. And the next generation are going to have to be adaptable in ways you can't even imagine. And you can't prepare them from teach them these 20 things. We talk about skill sets for them. That's a good thing. The more important thing is the mental resiliency and adaptability. Train that into our next generation. We're going to need them. And they're going to need us to help them get there because the people in between us can't. I, I believe that there's a lot of you guys that listen to me that are millennials. You're awesome people. You're a lot like me. But you know your cohorts. The majority of your cohorts are at this point in their life incapable of learning these things because they choose not to on purpose. It, it's too painful to admit that, that they're responsible for it. It's a form of cognitive dissonance. Hopefully more and more of them will wake up. But I would say at least half that generation is done. It's, they're not ever coming back from it. And you can't rely on them. And they're your teachers now. They're your teachers, your politicians, and your bureaucrats. Yeah. And I want to tell you the last thing here. The potential for a kinetic World War III. Nuclear, freaking full-on nuclear global warfare is the thing I'm least concerned about. And I, I'm least concerned about it for an entirely fatalistic reason. I believe if it happens, you know, maybe some remnant will survive, but most of us will probably die. And tomorrow morning I could get up and drive down the street and get hit by a gravel truck from the materials place that's just a couple miles from here. Cause splat. And tomorrow morning I could, you know, get up and have a pain and go to the doctor and find out I have terminal cancer. And tomorrow morning, uh, I, I could go outside and some maniac driving down the street could shoot me. And tomorrow morning I could get in a car and get hit by a bus. And tomorrow morning I could go out to a, a grocery store and it could collapse or drive over a bridge. And it could, you see what I'm getting at? We all live with the potential to end up dead tomorrow or today at all times. That's why we have to make the most of our dash. And if we lived worried about that potential instead of just, you know, doing the right things as best we can and going on with our lives, we would be under such emotional stress. We would die early from heart attacks and things like that, which might be a reason so many people do. It's not just diet. It's diet, stress, etc. Got it? So there's nothing I can do to prevent this. No amount of my logic and reason will make the mental midget take the Ukrainian flag out of their freaking Twitter profile, who's also still wearing a mask when they get on an airplane and freaked out that nobody else does. No, nothing I say will change that for that person. And that person doesn't have the effect that they think they do either, right? This is just the mental midgets in society. The people behind the curtain are making these decisions. And they're not the ones you vote for or against either. We all know this intrinsically. And I personally do not think that true kinetic nuclear war is good for them either. So I think there's a chance that if you keep playing with problems like this, the way they're doing it, poking a hornet's nest, that everybody gets stuck. But if they do, it's over. 
and I don't think they really want to. And if they don't, every minute I spend focused on it, I don't spend doing all the other shit I just gave you. I can go mortgage all my wealth to put a tube in the ground to live in. Or I can live my life and spend my wealth building more so I leave something behind to hopefully somebody that's here. My grandparents, I'll tell the story real quick here at the end again. My grandparents, my grandmother told me this story. My grandfather was a fairly high-ranking officer in U.S. Army intelligence during the Cuban Missile Crisis. He had served since World War II. He was actually uh, privy to a lot that went on with the dropping the atomic bomb in, in Japan. He was one of the few people that actually knew about it. That, that's kind of his legacy. Never found this out until the late 80s. Uh, as he got older, he, he finally, like, the guys that really did the shit never talk about it. I'll put it that way. But my grandmother, something came up with the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I was, I was amazed. I had no idea that this happened. It was on TV or something, some kind of anniversary show or something. And so I asked her about it. She said, oh, yeah, we were in Lebanon, the country, guys, in case you don't uh, understand, right? Lebanon country. So what were you doing there? So your grandfather was stationed there. So he knew everything that was going on, including a lot that people didn't know in the general public. And people were scared. It's hard to understand how... You you really want to understand the mindset of the average person in in the new world of atomic potential atomic warfare, like 1950s. Go watch like the original um, with Rod Serling, Twilight Zone. Like every other episode is about the whole world being destroyed with nuclear. Like it was like just accepted as sooner or later this will happen. Right. One of the reasons I think in the original Star Trek, the storyline of the the atomic horror was part of humanity's history. It was considered inevitable that it would happen. So it was inevitable in people's minds. And then all this shit was going down over Cuba. And there's still to this day, I'll just say, there's some things that were behind the scenes that made it more likely to take off than even people know about today. Even with a lot of extra information being released. The X-Men weren't there, but it was almost that close, if you know the movie, right? Um, so my grandfather comes home and tells her how bad it is. They got four kids at this time, little babies, young boys, you know, put everybody to bed, got a bottle of Lebanese rose wine, pretty good stuff, by the way, went up on the roof. They had like a flat top roof deck, two chairs, bottle of wine, waited. Figured if it's going to go off, might as well see it when it goes off. Because where you're at, you're gone. Nothing happened. He went back to work. Kids went back to school, never heard a word about it until many years later. That's where I am with this. It's the last thing I'm worried about because I have the least amount of control. There's the least amount of what I can do about it. With that, let's take a few of your starred comments here. Um Two Clicks writes says the USDA is asking home gardeners to register their gardens. Bullshit. This, you, you, somebody wants to send me a source information on that, and I'll actually dig into it, and we'll find out it's not it's not what it's being reported as. I'm 90% sure on that. If I'm wrong, I'll come back and say I was wrong. I, I, this is like uh, well, it's the Food Safety and Modernization Act all over again. I covered that back when that happened. And they were going to make it illegal for you to have a garden and illegal for you to trade tomatoes for peppers. With your, it was all bullshit. 
And I think we're seeing that again. You know, we have enough problems without exasperating fake problems. Amelia says, is this any different from the whole diabetes issue where they post some BS and then delete it without a word once called out? Uh, like this is the new MO. It is different. And if they did, she's talking about PayPal. They didn't delete it and pretend it never happened. So if, if you're not familiar with what she's asking about, I covered this recently. There's certain uh, parts of the American Diabetes Association that are recommending foods for diabetics like apple butter, how to make your own homemade jam, right? All these things that are just full of sugar that are basically, if you're recommending this to diabetics, you're trying to kill diabetics. And when they get called out on it, they just delete it and it goes away. But when you're a publicly traded company, I guess you can't really delete it and let it go away. So it's the same but different, man. In the words of Tom Chong, K-Bonk says, should or could we consider this PayPal phishing on how far they could go? I think exactly that's what it is. So what K-Bonk's saying is what PayPal just did, was that like a feeler? Like what happens if we actually take this? And I think what will surprise you, as bad as it worked out for them, there were a lot of people that cheered it. That's something I meant to cover when we talked about it that I didn't. There were a lot of lefties cheering this. Like, of course Republicans hate this. Now they're going to have to tell the truth. Good Lord. This is the problem with society. Once you clearly bifurcate it into the false paradigm of left and right, as long as your side's in control, you'll let government and industry do anything it wants to with complete mental disconnect that eventually the other foot will fall, the other side will be in control, and all the things you've advocated for will be used against you. They cannot see this. And this is when people say, like, how did the Nazis end up in power in Germany? This is how Nazis end up in power in Germany. This is how all great civilizations crumble into tyranny. The idea that it's okay when we do it, whoever we is, we can be the whole damn country. A lot of shit that we bitch about other countries doing, we do it all the time. Oh, they interfered with elections. Oh, you mean like we did in 2014 in Ukraine where we overthrew a democratically elected president and redid an election because we didn't like the results? You mean like we did in South Vietnam where we installed our puppet instead of the person the South Vietnamese actually wanted and doomed the Vietnam conflict to failure before it even started? You mean like that? You mean like all the shit we did in Central America in the 60s, 70s, and 80s? Disrupting elections and governments down there. But when somebody else does it, it's wrong. Or it could be within your own country. Well, when the Republicans do it, it's wrong. But when we do it, it's okay. When the Democrats do it, it's wrong. But when we do it, it's okay. How many, how many pro-Second Amendment people, supposedly, defended the orange man's handling of the bump stock ban? I said it was inevitable. I said it was going to happen. I said it was legal. I didn't say it was right. Something could be inevitable, legal, and going to happen, right? doesn't mean it's okay. doesn't mean I didn't defend the action. I said if you couldn't see it eventually coming, that you were blind. But I didn't defend the action. Of course it's wrong. But how many people defended it? Because it was the orange man. Got to defend the orange man. If you don't defend every single thing the orange man does, you must be one of the never-Trumpers. And if you defend anything the orange man does, you must be ultra-MAGA. 
This is how this happens. It's a bait and switch, and it's constant. It's okay if we do it. Jesse Kelly, big media personality, recently tweeted, you have no idea how much of an authoritarian I would accept if it meant stopping communism. His mind is melting. His mind is melting. Uh, Jesse Groves says, thoughts on the cannabis pardon news released last week by the Burden administration. I mean, Biden, if you're trying to diss him for using burden, I don't get it, but whatever. Um, it's like 90 people. So a straight cannabis possession conviction at a federal level, not intended to traffic or anything like that, is very rare because it's not something the federal government usually involves itself in. And so most of the people that it actually applied to probably were people that were trying to get on other things, and this is what they could get them on. So overall, great. I'm glad that anybody that was ever put in a cage ever for the possession of a substance alone is released. But it's also nothing but cheap vote buying. It actually doesn't mean anything. And if you meant anything by it, then you you should go to where there's a lot more people that were convicted at a federal level outside of the conventional justice system. But the president does have have, have the power to pardon people convicted under UCMJ of simple possession of cannabis. So Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. There's probably a hell of a lot more than 90 of those who have had their lives completely destroyed by this. That, you know, maybe, maybe they're not getting let back in the military or whatever, but they at least should have it. Cause a pardon means it's, it's gone. It's off your record. It's like legally it never happened. So I, 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 I it's gone. You know, I, I think that that's, that would mean more to me if they would have included that group of people. But I think overall it's a good thing. I don't think it'll help. I don't think it'll do what Biden really thinks it's going to do, which is save his ass in the coming election with uh, losing the House. Um, Pavlovian training works for me more than just canines for Mika Mouse. And, and she had said something about sparing the rod. I am actually going to cover this. The word rod is very important. In the original Hebrew translation, the word used for rod to understanding that parable. I'm going to talk about that in a future episode. It's pretty deep to go in today as, uh, as at the end. And zone six, Eric says potassium iodine in case of limited nukes. It's pretty cheap. I agree with you on World War three that. So here's the thing about potassium iodine. <laughs> if you get nuked, I'm going to take my potassium iodine, uh, tablets. It'll protect your thyroid. Rest of your body doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. It'll protect you from getting thyroid cancer. So I guess very limited exposure where the most susceptible thing is because of the type of exposure and time, uh, would be th- maybe it would help you. It's cheap. You want it, but I- I'm back to this is the, this is the thing I'm worried about the least right now is kinetic nuclear war. Because either, I guess you could get this limited exchange and it might not spread. Well, then I'm not worried about taking potassium iodine in North America. Or you get full on, take all the potassium iodine you want. When your skin melts off your body, you'll still have a problem. I, I, I think there is a point for some level of fatalism. 
Uh, VR says I may be incorrect, but didn't he, didn't the pardon impact 6,500 people? No, the, the number I heard after all the hoopla was, was gone through was about 90. Now, there could be a way both numbers are true. If you pardoned everybody that ever was convicted, maybe that number could be 6,500. So they're already released. But my understanding is about 90-odd people will be released under that pardon. So maybe both numbers are correct. Um, that's that's possible. Um, I haven't researched enough. I, I know that it's it's not meaningful. Meaningful would be, Let's stop calling it the worst class of drug on the planet, and let's let's re, let's do a federal let's remove all federal prohibition on cannabis and let states manage it. That would be impressive, right? Now a president can't do that, but a president could call for that. And actually, it would be a politically astute move. The average person in America is not for cannabis being illegal and putting people in jail. The vast majority of people that vote are not for it. Even people that would never do it, they're like, you know, there's other shit we need to be worried about, right? There's other shit we need. They certainly don't want it listed as the most dangerous classification of drug out there. A lot of Karens do. Can't help them. Sorry. They're, they're, but the, it's majority opinion is clear on this issue in America. And if he were to put pressure on Congress, send me a bill before the Republicans take over, there's a lot of Democrats that continue to vote against this. And I'll tell you a secret. They don't do it because they're opposed to people smoking smoking pot. They don't do it for ethical reasons. They do it because there's an awful lot of money in creating a gray market for cannabis where there's certain ways it can be done and there's still a lot of controls on it. You know who got hurt the worst is states legalized cannabis? Small growers that grew stuff out of their closet. They had their whole livelihoods destroyed because you could now go to a dispensary and get quality, you know, cannabis, et cetera. That, that, that's, that's who got hurt the worst. No one ever talks about that. You know, I don't know that we need to, like, restructure society so that that doesn't happen, but you just take that and expand it now, and there's these companies that make billions and billions of dollars that they're much better off if cannabis is both legal and illegal at the same time. And there's this weird space. I, the way I'll compare it, I'll, I'll finish up right now, but I have a neighbor he sells fireworks every year. Very controlled market in Texas. And I mean big, you know, fireworks, right? He can sell them for two weeks before and up to the 4th of July. And he can sell them for like one week between Christmas and New Year's. He has one of very few permits that exist. And everybody else that has a permit has to sell in that window. Now, he thinks fireworks are great. Anybody that wants to be able to buy fireworks should be able to go firework, buy fireworks. But he's not for changing the law because it wouldn't benefit him. Right now, he works three weeks a year, and he makes a full-time income. He's got a very coveted permit, and when he wants to retire, he can sell that permit to somebody else. This is a retirement plan. Why would he want to open the market? So there's a lot of Democrats and Republicans both to continue to keep this prohibition in place because there's money in it for the people that write them lobbyist checks. Just something to think about. With that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap up. Hope you guys enjoyed today. Tomorrow, I'll have an episode of Bitcoin Breakout. We haven't had one of those in a while because I've been gone. Um, 
But Robert Breedlove, who is one of the best minds in Bitcoin and economics as well, will be on with me tomorrow. Then we'll have a regular type interview. Uh, we're going to talk about sustainable the real estate development as a side hustle for income on Wednesday. Thursday, I'm going to break something down. I'm not sure what yet. And Friday, expert counsel Q&A. Catch you guys tomorrow with that episode with Robert Breedlove. Take care. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way